In the ancient profession of faith that we call the Apostles' Creed, the creed that we recite, for example, at the beginning of the Rosary, we profess our faith in the communion of saints. And that phrase, communion of saints, really is just another name for the church. And the communion of saints is made up of, of three different states. You and I, and all the baptized throughout the world, we are saints. We are holy ones. We are called to be holy in this communion. We make up what is classically called the church militant. Because you and I are on earth fighting that battle. Fighting the fight that is the Christian life. The struggle for holiness in the midst of a world that is filled with so many temptations to other things. And then there is the state of the souls who have passed from from this world, who are in the state of grace, but aren't yet perfectly pure and thus not yet ready to enter into the glory of heaven. These are the souls in, in purgatory who are also part of this great communion of saints. And we call them the church suffering because they're undergoing that purification that will ready them for eternal life. And then there are the souls in heaven. The great multitude we hear about in our first reading from Revelation today, which no one could count. These are the men and women whom we celebrate on this day, on this solemnity of all saints. We call them the church triumphant because they have fought the fight. They've run the race and they've won the prize. Some are canonized by the church and well-known. Others are known only to a few on earth, their family and friends, or perhaps are even completely forgotten. But today, they're not forgotten. Today, the church triumphant, these souls in the glory of heaven, are honored and celebrated by the church militant on earth. Why? Not because these souls in heaven benefit in any way, from the honor we show them, they see God face to face. What could they possibly gain from you and from me? St. Bernard, famously, uh, in a famous homily, he said, the saints have no need of honor from us. Neither does our devotion add the slightest thing to what is theirs. But, he says, I tell you, when I think of them, I feel myself inflamed by a tremendous yearning. This is why we celebrate All Saints Day, to inspire us with this tremendous yearning. What is it that the memory of the saints make us yearn for? Precisely what the church placed on our lips in the responsorial psalm this morning. Lord, this is the people that longs to see your face. That longing to see the face of God. This is what the saints in heaven have. And there's a longing in our hearts. The longing to see the face of God. We often don't notice it. In fact, we, we who live often such comfortable lives, blessed by so much, so many earthly goods, it can get covered over, this longing, this yearning to see the face of God. We cover it over with the various pleasures of this world. But
but strip away those pleasures or dig down deep beneath those surface-level longings, and what do we find in every human heart? There's a longing that can't be satisfied by anything other than God himself. He made us for this. We come from him. And our true happiness ultimately is in him alone. This is why we celebrate All Saints Day, to remind us of this, to remind us of the goal of our life, to remind us what it is that we're fighting for as the church militant on earth. And the saints teach us what the path is to that beatific vision, what the path is to that fulfillment of this longing in our hearts to see the face of God. St. John said in the second reading today, everyone who has this hope, the hope of seeing God as he is, makes himself pure. Purity. Purity of heart. That's the path to seeing the face of God. We heard it in the Beatitudes too. Jesus said, blessed are the clean of heart, or sometimes you see it translated, the pure of heart. Why? For they will see God. This purity of heart is what we should strive for during our years on earth to ready us to see the face of God. At the beginning of his pontificate, St. John Paul II gave a series of general audiences we've come to know as the theology of the body. And in the course of his teaching, he offers this simple definition for purity. Purity, he says, is the glory of the human body before God. It is the glory of God in the human body. Purity, we might put it, is surrendering the whole of ourselves to God. Allowing the glory of God to transform us, body and soul. Purity makes it possible to see God because purity gives us God's vision. We see and think as God sees and thinks. That's what Adam and Eve had in the beginning, before the fall. St. John speaks of, St. John Paul, excuse me, speaks about how they were naked and unashamed, borrowing that language from Genesis. And he says it's precisely because they saw each other with the vision of God, not as objects for their own selfish pleasure, but as someone worthy of, of love someone worthy even of reverence. They saw with the vision of God, they saw each other, as John Paul says, with all the peace of the interior gaze. This is how the saints see, with the purity of the interior gaze, that purity of hearts, heart allows them to see as God sees. So today, Let's get in touch with that deepest desire of our hearts. Remember that you belong to the people that longs to see the face of God. And ask the saints who love you and are pulling for you and are praying for you, that you might make yourself pure as they are pure, pure as Christ is pure, so that you too might one day join them and see the face of God. St. Patrick, pray for us.